Hello, and welcome to the fourth season of Scene to Song, a musical theater podcast for people who love to discuss, critique, and celebrate musicals as a literary art form. I'm your host, Shoshana Greenberg, and each episode I'll bring on a guest to talk about a musical, musical theater writer, or a topic or trend in musical theater. And before we get started today, a reminder that our annual season finale episode, which always features multiple guests from the season, will be streamed live on our Facebook page on Sunday, December 19th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Listeners can submit questions in advance or call in directly to the webcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at Scene to Song with Shoshana Greenberg Podcast for more information. My guest today is Holly Sanson. Holly is a queer, non-binary, transnational, and transracial Korean adoptee that's currently the Operations Director of Theater of the Oppressed NYC and co-host of Thesis on Joan, a podcast that amplifies LBGTQ voices in the New York performing arts scene. They are also a current member of the Art Equity BIPOC Leadership Circle and an NYCLU Artist Ambassador. They previously served as general manager and ensemble member of Honest Accomplice Theater and production supervisor of the Theater on Film and Tape Archive at the New York Public Library for the Performing Arts. We're going to talk today about fatness in musical theater. Hey, Holly, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I'm so excited to talk musicals with you. Yeah, let's do it. Yay. Well, we'll first start with our get to know our guest questions. What was your first experience with the musical? Uh, I'm actually at my parents' house in Ohio right now. So I was asking them about this. And my mom said that she took me to see like a community theater production of The Wizard of Oz when I was like two and a half. But I have no memory of that at all. So I'm going to go to the next one. Um, but I was my the first musical I was in was a production of The King and I when I was four. Um, so yeah, my, my mom saw that the local theater was doing it and I, I'm Korean. And so she asked like my preschool teacher and was like, oh, do you think I should have all the audition for this? And she's like, oh, yes, absolutely. Um, so I auditioned. I sang uh, I'm bringing home a baby bumblebee for my audition song. <laughs> and apparently I got off stage and never I was like, that was fun. Can I do it again? <laughs> um, and I was like the youngest person in the cast. I was probably one of two Asian people in the cast, unfortunately. Um, but I remember having so much fun being in that show and it really like hooked me on musical theater for life. And I grew up doing musicals uh, in my hometown my whole life. But yeah, The King and I. Nice. Um, which musical has had the greatest impact on you? Uh, this was hard. I think maybe probably like the logistical impact on me was Wicked. Uh, because it was my first Broadway show I saw in New York. Um, I had come to New York with some friends I had met on the internet in the like musical theater fandom, but I hadn't seen a Broadway show yet. Uh, so I saw Wicked and it like blew my mind. I was, I think I was 14, 15 years old. So like right in the demographic of who they were trying to reach. Um, and I became obsessed with it. I got really into the, the online fan community uh, and it really opened because I, I was so in love with the cast and the actors. It really like 
open my world and my knowledge of musical theater up because I'm like, oh, what shows have they been in the past? And then I learned those shows. And then it just led me to so many other different um, musicals and, and shows that I had never heard of before. And uh, yeah, I just really expanded my knowledge of theater and my my want to be in New York and, and working in theater after, after high school. Um, what is a musical people would be surprised to find out you love and why would they be surprised? <laughs> uh, so I'm going to say Jekyll and Hyde. Um, this also kind of goes back to like early musical theater because I saw, this is before I saw Wicked and kind of how I got into the online theater fan community, but I saw the, the professionally shot recorded version they had with David Hasselhoff. And I kind of, I was, had a huge crush on the actress who played Lucy, Colleen Sexton. Uh, and I would just like watch it obsessively. Um, I didn't know a ton of musical theater at the time besides the ones I had been in, which were very like old musicals. Uh, so I think this was like a really great gateway from like the old musicals into more contemporary ones. Yeah. And I think it's surprising to me because it's pretty like campy and schmaltzy <laughs> and very like binary and thinking of like how people are if they're like good or evil um and it just centers on this on this white man who's doing like medical experiments on himself and other people illegally <laughs> uh and some pretty like outdated tropes on like sex workers too um but I think because I I found it in my like burgeoning love of musical theater it just like it still is one of my favorites and uh, I saw the revival and I, I had a great time <laughs> and, um, it's, yeah, I love the camp of it and how like Gothic dramatic it is. I think it's yeah. really fun. And I feel like in his eyes is one of the only duets with like two women in it too. So it's done a lot. Yeah. And it's a beautiful song. Who is your favorite hero character or protagonist in a musical? And who is your favorite villain or antagonist in a musical? Uh, I have to, for favorite hero, I have to say Alison Bechtel from Fun Home. Um, I'm going to talk about my love of Fun Home a little later too, but I think, you know, she was the first kind of butch queer lesbian character we'd ever had on Broadway. Um, this, I think the first time I saw someone who I felt a, a kinship with that wasn't like the butt of a joke on a stage mm -hmm. uh, and just having like a queer butch person represented in a musical on Broadway that was just respected and complicated and loved like that was really like earth shattering for me. And then I'd say that this might be weird and I don't think he's considered a, a villain or antagonist, but I'm going to say Bobby from company. <laughs> he's his own antagonist. Like he's the person standing in his own way for what he wants. Right. And he has every privilege in the world. He is like a rich straight ish white man. Mm -hmm. Um, he, you know, a straight sized person, like he has all these women that he apparently doesn't treat very well. <laughs> um, he is kind of, you know, like shady to his married friends or, or engaged friends about like what their relationships are like. Um, and I would think like if I met him in real life, I probably wouldn't like him as a person. Um, but I, I still love company and I still, in the musical, you still want him to, to find some kind of like peace or happiness with um what he wants in his life whether that's another really like a person in a relationship or not you know yeah it's funny like there's so many characters that I like that I I know I would never want to be in the same room with but I just <laughs> <laughs> but I just like love them <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> it's so different when you don't have to like interact with them actually right. when you're just like I just want what's best for you <laughs> like never talk to me <laughs> yeah um what's your favorite musical that no one else has heard of uh this is a movie musical um it's called girl trash I think it's girl trash all night long is the full title but um it's a it's a movie musical it was I found it on Netflix um but it's about uh a, a group of like lesbian queer friends in Los Angeles and it's like one wild night where they go on a bunch of adventures and get into some chaos and mayhem. Um, it is not good. It is, uh, <laughs> it's, it's very campy and uh, it's the lyrics I wouldn't say are good. <laughs> my, my favorite line is uh, these two girls are, talk, are singing a song called Fantasy Crush and they're singing about how they have these fantasies of other women. And one of them is talking about the other girl, of course. Um, and the other girl's talking about one of their friends. Um, so the one who's trying to get her to like her back is like, oh, she's so dirty. She might be allergic to water, is the lyric. And it's so <laughs> terrible. <laughs> um, it took me a second there. And then I was like, oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's a lot of fun and I, you know, you don't get a lot of queer women in musicals. And when I first found it, it, it made me really happy and I watched it a lot. So, um, what is a moment in a musical that you think gets to a complex emotional state you didn't think was possible to get to? Uh, I'm going to go back to ring of keys again, or fun home again and say ring of keys. Uh, again, I think it's such a special moment when you see yourself represented on stage and that uh I think it's such a specific queer feeling when you see other queer people in the world and you're like oh I I see you I recognize you I know you and I want to like be I can't tell if I want to be with you or be friends with you or just like I just want to uh you're right there let me talk to you <laughs> and to have that in a song that's so beautifully and smartly written is just such a, a gift. And um, the way she's like stumbling over her words and it's it's a little girl singing it and like, oh yes, I had that feeling when I was a child, but I, you know, I had no way to comprehend what it meant. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just so beautifully represented in that song of um, what that feeling is. And I don't, I don't know if, that exists for any other kind of community or it, it just feels very specific to queer community. Yeah. Now I remember when I, when I first, I've seen Fun Home like a few times now, but when I first saw it down at the public and experiencing that song and, and I think a lot of it too, for me was uh, Cindy Lucas's performance too, for me was like, mm -hmm. I can't believe this, girl is con this little girl is conveying this huge emotion like I'm so, I think mm. I'm just so used to kids acting that they're not really acting they're like performing yeah and here is this little girl like acting that gets to me too like mm. that. And I'm like wow how do they how do they know like <laughs> <laughs> right I was, I was like how does she know <laughs> <laughs> 
let's move on to our topic, which is fatness and musical theater. I think so. I brought this topic up um, because I it's something that I feel like isn't talked about enough in in musical in theater at all and uh, critiques of theater and. I said fatness in musical theater, but I think I really mean anti-fatness in musical theater. Um, I think as I was trying to think of good examples that I could bring to this episode, I'm like, oh, there's really not many. And I feel like the the biggest issue with fatness in, in musical theater is like, it has such uh, an onus on the individual and how this ha- has kind of like a fake, even like, the quote unquote good representations of fat people, it has such a like body positive spin on it where it's just like, oh, if you love yourself and you don't care what other people think, then it's, you're going to be fine. You're going to be happy and everyone will love you and see your inner beauty as well. And they never talk about like the systemic issues that have to do with, with anti-fatness and how it affects people and how it kills people, honestly. And, uh, and it's not, it just feels like, oh, we did it. Like this girl found her boyfriend. This person like loves themselves now. Like we can all go home happy. Mm-hmm. And it's just so much like more complicated and, and malicious than that, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it, I think the first musical that comes to my mind when I think of fatness in musical theater is Hairspray. Uh, and I think that falls into that trope that storyline very specifically um where yeah like tracy is a is a well-loved character and she is happy with herself and her body and by the end she's even like happier and uh she has her hot boyfriend (laughs) um but it's interesting because they kind they talk about it's it's paired with race in hairspray and it's it's kind of it it does go into the systemic issues of race in Hairspray a bit, but it doesn't talk about it at all when it comes to fatness. And I want to talk about how like anti-fatness is based in the history of it is based in anti-blackness and how, yeah. And how, um, black bodies were so vilified by white people. And because they were coming in larger sizes than white people, they were like, Oh, this is a way to show people, you know, that they're bad or they're evil or like they're, they're, body is where is equal to their worth basically um like if you know the show venus uh from susan Laurie parks it talks about that um and like black bodies were just put on the stage to be gawked at and because they were different from like eastern european bodies or western european bodies that people were used to seeing yeah. and that got codified into our medical system with like the bmi system and all that and then capitalism and I mean I'm greatly summarizing but like (laughs) capitalism took over and like the diet industry was created and now it's like a billion dollar industry um and I feel like I should talk about how like my lens on this that I'm a a small to mid fat person uh and people who are you know super to infinite fat experience much more oppression uh with anti-fatness than I do uh but I'm also a Korean person I'm non-binary I'm queer so, you know, my thoughts on this all come from those lenses as well. Um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was, I mean, I was going to say the the show that came to mind for me was uh, Kristen Child's Bella and American Tall Tale, which um, I know you hadn't seen, but the, uh, there were a lot of, when that show came out, I know people were comparing it to the 
Venus, the uh, mm. the Susan Laurie Parks play a little bit because that character in the second act she joins like a, a, a the circus and she becomes like a because she has this huge butt and that's like the whole point of the, of the show is she has this like big butt and um but the and it, but it like gives her this power and like all these people like love her because of it and um but yeah and then in the second act she joins the circus and becomes like a, a star and I think at, at some point like loses her butt and has to like get it back <laughs> um, I guess she doesn't have to but like she wants she comes to terms with it I'm Bella Patterson the big booty Tupelo gal and I'm letting the whole world know I want my booty Uh, I, and I think that show, uh, it, as as a musical, grapples with I think that um, probably what you're describing. It's interesting because I was thinking of uh, fat characters that are because it's hard because I was thinking of characters that were written to be fat, mm-hmm. and I feel like most of the fat characters I could think of were just cat cast with fat actors. Um, but I was thinking of like. Uh, Sophia from The Color Purple mm-hmm. and I feel like she is one of the better representations because she is um, she's like a very sexual being too like she has her song that song Any Little Thing that I love I milled 12 heifers by the early morn and then I shucked about a hundred ears of corn I scrubbed all your britches till they look brand new now is there any Uh, she's like a love interest and she's sexual and you know she is encouraging uh, Celia to leave her abusive husband um, and she's not she's not a joke really yeah um, and and I would say the same with Effie um, and it's hard because I, I wish I could have read the the books for a lot of these because I wonder like what kind of language and how they're talked about with their size but they're they're those are both like very independent black women who are written as fat women um yeah and I, and I'm glad that those were the the representations that felt like a little mm-hmm. better than the others yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and and I think both of those shows are written by white people is that right yes yeah yeah they both are yeah so that I mean that's also problematic too and we're only getting black stories written by white people um 
and it can feel a little like voyeuristic then to have these uh, because I feel like especially like gay white men have such a fascination with black women and such a history and presence of um co-opting their uh, culture um that I feel like it can like trend into that territory too yeah no that's true are, are those the only ones in the category of 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 sort of good <laughs> yeah um I was thinking also about it it should have been you I think this also has to do with casting yeah uh it, because I think it kind of go either way like she's written as a fat character and she by the end owns it even though her mother is like saying all these terrible things to her and eventually her mother says bright you are beautiful um but I think having an actor like Lisa Howard play her it, it just could be it could be a different story if you have like Lisa Howard is kind of a small to mid-sized fat person as well and if you have a fatter person in it um I think it could be a, a better representation mm-hmm. because I think the she still falls into the like safe fat category I call it where it's like people aren't going to judge her as being like too unhealthy I think yeah um people associate weight with health which is not true um but I think like in just looking at the script like it still doesn't talk about like the systemic things but it's like a romantic comedy so it's probably not going to (laughs) um but you know it is it is nice to see someone come to terms with their beauty and their power by the end of a show but I would love to see a a show written about a fat character where that is not the story where uh yeah there's a fat character coming in feeling like that already (laughs) and it's not about their weight at all right Jenny, sweet Jenny, such a pretty face, but how you eat Jenny, I swear there's not a man you couldn't date if you lose some weight. They think I'm sort of pretty, kind of sexy, almost easy on the eye, sort of, kind of, almost, somewhat nearly, kind. They say that only kindness matters in the end. In the end. Well, when the hell is that? So what? I'm friggin' fat. Why won't someone say, hey, you are beautiful through and through. You are beautiful. Yes, I mean with it should have been you I there were there were a lot of kind of breaking stereotypes a little bit with a lot of the characters in that show I thought like that um that had nothing to do with weight but the uh the fact that there was a uh a marriage an interfaith marriage but like the woman was Jewish and the (laughs) and the guy wasn't there was there was like actually Jewish women characters who was and you know that wasn't the Jewish mother like (laughs) (laughs) like a lot in there that I that I really liked and um yeah I mean in terms of like how the storylines were carried through like you know it wasn't anything like revelatory or you know but Mm -hmm. it was just like 
nice to see it, it was just like nice to see a lot of those characters it like across the board like more than we more than we usually get to see <laughs> in mm-hmm. musical theater it should have been you as kind of like a feel-good mm-hmm. show. so it's like yeah it's like you're gonna have you're more likely to have that kind of storyline where you have like you know people like learning how to feel good about themselves <laughs> you know and so yeah instead of uh, instead of um more like a critique or you know or dealing with like larger issues although I wouldn't like you could I'm sure in in a feel good mm-hmm. people do that but like most don't <laughs> yeah 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 um and I was trying to think of because most of the characters we mentioned so far have been women yeah uh, I was trying to think of male characters that are written as fat and the only ones I could come up with really were like Shrek yeah and um who's not very- really- Oh, sorry, Shrek, who's not really human. <laughs> it was an ogre. Yeah. And um, Barry from the prom. Right. And I think one of the producers, there's like a line about one of them being fat. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of those, it's like the butt of the joke. They're not really seen as sexual or sexy. Um, and I think it's, they're still the protagonists though. And I think- fat women characters are more likely to be like the sidekicks and the butt of the jokes mm-hmm. yeah um yeah and I think there's the this trope of the like sad fat girl song <laughs> um there's the in bear pop opera there's uh, a quiet night at home that Nadia sings she's like sadly playing her cello while all her like skinny friends are <laughs> out partying <laughs> Like, is that true to experience or no? Like, I mean, I like it's hard because I'm not I am not a fat person. So but it doesn't seem that doesn't seem true to me. It depends. Like, I remember relating to that song a lot when yeah. I was in high school. But mm-hmm. uh, I think that also had to do with me being like one of the only per- people of color in my hometown. And right. queer, like it could have been a lot of number of factors, not just my size. Um, but now as an adult I'm like no this is absolutely not true (laughs) people are can are getting it and they're sexy as hell and have really great community and friends and life's happening and uh it's just weird to think that like not to say it is difficult and there are things that are very hard about it but like you know people aren't going to just be sitting at home playing the cello and being sad unless that's their form of self-care I think right right yeah and like there are a lot of reasons that people of all sizes would be um, yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um I think uh there's like a song in bring it on with one of the characters who um is written as fat and the um La Cienica, the care the trans character is like oh so you've got some baby fat like it ain't no thing and I think that again falls into this trope of like oh you know you you have such a pretty face <laughs> and um you know you're not that fat or you know like right. you are acceptable you are safe fat um mm-hmm. yeah and if you know I'd love to see a, a bigger actor or in any of these roles really in any role because <laughs> right. Fat people can play any role, really. Um, yeah, and 
see that acceptance uh, and like, I think the the opposite of, not the opposite, but the the step after body positivity is fat liberation, mm-hmm. um, which I've been learning a lot about and trying to read more about. And um, yeah, and I don't think Broadway and musical theater is there yet, uh, but I hope it changes. What is fat liberation um, compared to body positivity? Yeah, I would say like body positivity was created by fat activists, but has been kind of co-opted by like small fats, uh, specifically white small fat people, women. Um, Mm. But that is more like, oh, just love yourself and who cares what other people think and it's fine. And then you'll be happy and your life will have, you know, everything you want it to be. Um, I think of like, um, like the Dove commercials that that were like, oh, your real beauty, things like that. Yeah. Um, but I think body positivity has limits where it's like, oh, if you get too big, like, oh, you can't love yourself then because this is this could be bad for your health, or yeah. this could be, you know, bad for the economy because you know we have to take care of your your health insurance or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think it has limits. And then fat liberation is more about, you know, being fat is not a bad thing Mm -hmm. and being fat does not mean you're unhealthy. And even if you are unhealthy, that might have nothing to do with your size and your weight. And we aren't, we don't owe the world health. And I think it also intersects with like disability justice where it's like, we don't have to be quote unquote, productive members of society to have worth and to be considered human. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of where the difference lies for me. Um, and there, there are so many great people like talking about this and I learn a lot from them. And I just want to shout out um, Audrey Gordon, who has a book, uh, What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat. And she also has an amazing Instagram that she posts a lot of great content. And that's um, Your Fat Friend, YR Fat Friend. Uh, Sabrina Strings has a book called Fearing the Black Body, where she talks about like the history of anti-fatness. And then I've also been listening to Maintenance Phase podcast, which is Aubrey Gordon's podcast. And um, there's a new one called More Than Tracy Turnblad, uh, where they talk about like fat representation in the media, which is fun. Oh, nice. I have been listening to Maintenance Phase. <clears throat> but the the second one's uh, the Tracy Turnblad one sounds good too. Yeah, and they talk more than just theater, but uh, which is fun because hairspray kind of goes in so many different directions. Yeah, um, but yeah, those are those are great, some great things to talk to check out if you want to think about this more. Um, and then I'm I'm curious to think like how Broadway has like typecast specific roles to be fat actors um, because it's not written in the script anywhere that they need to be fat, but they've just like decided like, cool, this is like the fat after track. <laughs> like, Oh yeah. Um, yeah. There's like uh, an ensemble character in Wicked who's always usually played by a fat actor. And, and I think it's great. And I remember seeing that uh, Kathy Deitch was the original person and seeing her and being like, Oh cool. Like maybe I could be that person one day. Mm-hmm. Um and it's interesting because I feel like every time I've seen it, there's always been another another fat woman in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's absolutely nothing as to like yeah. why that person and like I guess yay, because it's getting fat actors work. Right. But um yeah, but then it's like, well, then all of the ensemble could be fat. Like right, why right. Does it have to be that person. 
Um, I was trying to think of fat Asian characters and the only one I could kind of think of was Christmas Eve from Avenue Q. Again, I don't think there's anything in the script or the book that references that. Um, And, and, you know, Anne Harada, who originated it, is is kind of like a small fat person. But I've seen different sized people in that role Mm -hmm. um, throughout its run. Yeah, I couldn't think of a single character that is like written as fat that probably isn't the butt of some joke. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I think the musical dogfight kind of fits into the category of like, this isn't written necessarily as a fat character. Like I was looking again, I wish I could read the script for this because I was looking at the lyrics to things and nothing references her being fat. It's all about her being ugly. Right, right. Um, right. It was cast as just like, oh, fat equals ugly, <laughs> which is also feels really problematic right. to me. Because uh, uh, Lindsay Mendez, who I saw this with, is, is a beautiful person. And I'm just like, I don't understand you know, if that's the only thing that you consider ugly, like we, we need to talk about that too. Right. Um, and like the whole premise of dogfight is like these soldiers come back or it's right before the Vietnam war and they're about to be deployed. And they do this thing called a dogfight where one of them has to bring the ugliest date to the, the bar that night. And whoever does that like wins the bet or whatever. Um, so it's a terrible premise. And um the the main guy finds this this woman uh i think her name's rose and she's it's that it just describes her as like shy and awkward right. <laughs> and i'm also sure like why does that equal ugly like um yeah and then she eventually finds out about the bet he has like fallen in love with her and kind of feels bad about it afterwards and like begs her forgiveness and then she forgives him <laughs> and she kind of ends up with him spoilers but like she ends up with him and oh that made me so angry when I saw it (laughs) like yeah like the fact that he like even if he feels bad even if he knew it was wrong like he has not inspected his own internal anti-fatness and his own internalized patriarchy to allow him to get to the point where he would like go along with that and it, it just paints her as like someone who couldn't do better or like this is you know she should just accept this because right. she is ugly or fat or whatever um yeah so that show made me very angry it just seemed like a typical storyline for like how like non-fat and not or just non-ugly people think about like <laughs> like how would this go like <laughs> the guy is redeemed because he feels bad and like decides he actually does like this person (laughs) like is Mm -hmm. i don't know it's and and like that makes everything okay that happens in real life because we are told in our media that like that's the best you can expect (laughs) and you know you can't expect uh like an abusive partner or something because you don't deserve to have someone who respects who you are um yeah yeah oh made me so angry (laughs) yeah and I think there's um there's like a sad fat girl song in that I think there's like two or three yeah (laughs) 
Wipe off all that stupid lipstick Return the earrings to their case Makeup won't make any difference It's still the same old face Isn't it funny? Yeah, they give this character all these songs, and yet <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel like songs in musical theater are supposed to be like, like we're on this character's side, or like we're seeing things mm. their point of view, or like we're um, really getting into their like the heart of them, and like it, I feel like the songs. Um, it's just like very. It, they felt like it feels like very surface um uh, and i would say that show is definitely from like the gaze of the the male character yeah um, and it's all about his growth and his journey and you know he comes back at the end and he's all traumatized from the war and you know isn't it good that he had this like steady ugly girl waiting for him <laughs> back in california who would take him back <laughs> yeah Ugh. Um, I wonder, I want to go back to, to Hairspray for a minute yeah. and cause we didn't, we talked about Tracy, but we didn't talk about Edna, right? Uh, the mom. And so I, this is also a character I, I think too, that's cast with like different sized people, but the original Harvey Weinstein, um, is, is a fat person and also a cis man. And I feel like this character has not necessarily aged well. It's kind of in one of those um, gray areas of drag queer theater where it's like, this person could be a trans woman, but we don't really say that specifically. So, and we always just want to cast a cis man in drag because that's fun. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it, for most of the show, she's just like in a house coat and rollers and like ironing clothes. And mm -hmm. like, that doesn't really read to me as like, a person in drag that just feels like a person going about their daily life. Right. <laughs> and I think, yeah, if it was written today, it would, I would like to see it as a trans woman person playing that role. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I, you know, Broadway wasn't ready for that at that time and still, I guess, isn't because we have Tootsie and Miss Doubtfire, but um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting that, there's like a, an intersection there with gender fatness and how I couldn't think of any queer trans or non-binary people who are a, like really written into musical theater or B cast right. um, with fat actors. Um, yeah. And that was like the one, the one I could come up with. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting that that show that Hairspray like 
touches on all these areas, maybe not necessarily dealing with them well, but it is interesting that it it is touching on, you know, fatness, race, gender, you know, which is more than a lot of shows <laughs> do, but yeah. But I'm like, oh yeah, it does it. I don't think it does it well and I don't think it does it deeply if we want to like imagine the culture we want to see in the world, like I so many characters could just be cast with fat people. Like, yeah, I don't know. I think there's a such a stigma in the theater community against fat folks. And um, I think there's like a fear that fat people can't handle like the, maybe the Broadway schedule uh, or the theater schedule. And that also just seems ridiculous. Um, oh, wow. But yeah also you know, like there's such a movement right now to to cut down on that schedule too because right. it's uh so grueling and then it, you know it, again it's a disability issue where it's only like the most able-bodied right. people with like financial security and no children can can really do it well and oh yeah I was thinking about Chicago because of uh Mama Morton mm. um and yeah. I, I saw the movie first and, you know, Queen Latifah's in that role. And then I think every time I've seen, I've seen it a couple of times since I'm on Broadway. And most of the time, the Mama Morton is a fat person. Um, but I've, I've seen photos of other size Mama Mortons too in the history of the run. And it's, again, it's like, it's great. But like, why, why does that have to be the only fat character? I guess Amos is also, can be played by a fat person. Um, right. But yeah, but like, is Billy Flynn ever played by a fat person? Um, probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just the only very specific types that we that we deem acceptable. Uh, yeah, it feels like it's either like characters that at some points, like some fat people may play this character that's not written as fat, or there are a few characters who either are written as fat or like are written in a, a way like in dogfight where it's like, well, that seems like a fat person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe the show, the musical I referenced earlier, Bella is like one of the few I've seen where it's like, this is definitely has to be a fat person. And, but it's not falling. It, we're trying to work against that, the, that typical, you know, storyline and kind of talk about it and talk about issues mm-hmm. that are that are not just like we hope this we hope this fat person can find love, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh and I think so many, yeah, like you were saying, this person seems fat, like so many of the like sidekick roles. So mm-hmm. many of the like, oh, this person is supporting the main character to find whatever they want uh, are the are the people who are deemed, you know, stereotypically the fat people. Um, and it and it feels like oh, I was thinking of the prom because Barry is is one of the very main like the main characters in the show, right. and he makes so many derogatory comments throughout the show about himself and his body mm. and being fat. And I'm just like, oh my god, <laughs> like, you yeah. can be the lead of the show, and you don't have to like apologize for your body. And um, there's like eating disorder jokes in the show, and it's just oh. Oh, it makes me like I love the prom so much. It's one of like my happy shows, but yeah, those moments always like really make me cringe. Mm. 
And they cut a lot of them for the movie, uh, which I thought was great. I mean, and I guess there was um, Head Over Heels with... uh, Yeah, I I missed that too. Yeah. I mean, that just seems like it's like we're in a universe where like we're not even going to like address uh, like fatness isn't even a thing <laughs> like I remember reading because she's like a princess right um, yeah 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 and I think I, I think this kind of is similar to like the race argument where it's like oh but we want to be realistic to the time period or whatever mm-hmm. um with race and it's like no we don't need to be like if we do that then you know, people of color are only going to play maids and slaves and we can think right. beyond that. And we can also like imagine alternate worlds and futures where there are fat people, where there are people of color who are, you know, kings, queens, princesses, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it doesn't need to just be quote unquote accurate. Yeah. I know there's um, a production of Beauty and the Beast happening now and it's getting a lot of press because the they cast a a fat black person in you know the title yeah and she's queer too oh yeah oh awesome but yeah and and I also like I hope like at some point that's just is not even the story you know like yeah (laughs) (laughs) it shouldn't be newsworthy (laughs) and then oh sis is in the tour of Oklahoma too um She's a she's a black trans person oh. and she, yeah she's Ado Annie in the Oklahoma tour, um, and there's an, there's another trans character who's playing I think Will in the cast but yeah I would love to see that like yeah I feel like also those choices make money too like people mm-hmm. are excited to see that people want to see something different and there's like a whole untapped market of folks who are going to support that right so it just seems like also it just makes sense uh you know from a producing perspective right great should we move on to why is this so good sure uh we're gonna talk about another hundred people from company and uh why did you pick this song for why is this so good yeah I think usually when I fall in love with a musical theater song I, I think more of it uh from the performer perspective and I'll get really attached to like certain renditions of songs so I was trying to think more from our writer's perspective. And um, we're a, a little over a week out since Sondheim passed away. Um, so I'm like, I have to choose a Sondheim song because he taught me how to feel. And um, I think uh, I chose another hundred people because I love company. And I think the song just encapsulates New York so well and in the music and the lyrics and, and how it feels to be in the city, especially I think as someone uh, who wasn't, who didn't grow up here and came to the city looking with dreams and like hopes and, uh, you know, wanted something different from where they grew up. And, um, like this, uh, the chorus, like it's a city of strangers. Some come to work, some to play and every day, the ones who stay. Um, and I think of that now as like, some of my friends are kind of leaving the city and like what it means to stay here and thinking like, Oh, I've been here almost 12 years now. Like, am I someone who's going to live my whole life here? Is this just like a phase of my life? And uh, I think I'm going to leave, but like this city has, has made who I am. Um, 
and how, and I think he really captures like the loneliness that comes with New York at times too. Like, even though you're just surrounded by people, like you, you can see everyone's hunger and drive to get somewhere. And uh, if you feel like disconnected from your own drive or like your own community, like how lonely it feels uh, at times. Um, but yeah, I think this is just like the quintessential New York song for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting how this is the song that has the little scenes in it with the different mm-hmm. women. Um, because yeah, like the like especially with Kathy who is is leaving, like her her scene is about like I'm gonna leave New York and she has that line that I love. Uh there's a time to come to New York and a time to leave and all mm-hmm. that. And it's so nice that like this lyric just like evokes all that um you know, that, you know, grappling with the city, like, I think about leaving, but I don't, you know, or like, or maybe for some people, like, I I left, but I still think about the city. I don't know, it depends on like, where you are, and like, you know, what this, what this lyric does to you, I guess, but. um, I feel like that line, like, gives me the permission to leave, if I want, like, it's it's not giving up, it's not, you know, abandoning (laughs) your dreams it's like this is just a phase of your life and that's fine right I know it's such a great line even though it it makes me sad because Kathy's like I don't know I just feel like she's just gonna like go disappear and live this like very like mundane domestic life like outside of New York somewhere and um but yet like it's she wants to yeah it's such a powerful line still like yeah, like I could, like no matter what, I could leave. I could just leave. Like I can just leave the city, and it'll still be there too. Also, if you want to come back. <laughs> yeah. And who? What's the character's name that sings this song? Marta. Marta. Okay. Yeah, I think it's interesting that it's Marta's character who sings this song. The song too, because I think she's kind of the the oddest character out from the show. Mm-hmm. Like she seems younger. She's into the like the downtown New York scene um she feels a lot like more liberated and free than the rest of the characters um and and like the song has a real um like cynical edge to New York but she is a character who loves New York so much so there's still like uh I feel like a feeling of hope and love of the city even though um it talks about how difficult it is to live here just got off of the train and came up through the ground pile another hundred people just got off of the bus and are looking around at another hundred people who got off of the plane and are looking at us who got off of the train and the plane and the bus maybe yesterday it's a city of strangers some come to work some to play a city of strangers some come to stare some to stay and every day
and another hundred people just cut off of the train. Yeah, it's interesting too how she sings the song twice. Like one time, uh, you know, between each scene. And it's the same, it's like the same verse each, it's, it's the same whole song each time. Like Sondheim mm-hmm. doesn't vary it at all. Well, the first time she has the first verse and she doesn't sing that first. The other time, another hundred people just got off of the train and came up through the ground and another hundred people just got off the bus and are looking around, blah, blah, blah. Um, that she doesn't sing again. But from a, it's a city of strangers to the end is the same except. Oh, yeah. So every day, the ones who stay can find each other in the crowded streets and every day some go away or they find each other in the crowded streets. So it's like, that's, I think that's the one difference. It's a city of strangers. Some come to work, some to play. A city of strangers. Some come to stare, some to stay. And every day, some go away. more of an admittance that people leave Mm -hmm. yeah the so the first time is the one is about the ones who stay and the second time is about how every day some go away or Mm -hmm. they or they're here (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i think like the song was written what in the 70s yeah, the show came out in 1970. So I guess he was writing it like in the late 60s. Yeah, into the early. Yeah. So that's almost like 60 years ago. This song was written and it's still like wow. <laughs> <laughs> still applies. Like, I feel like the only thing that's that seems dated is the the machine and calling you and <laughs> getting yeah, my yeah. message. But yeah, yeah that's my service. My service will explain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think about this like from a class perspective and it does feel like the song like can apply across class too which mm-hmm. feels pretty wild uh because there's such a uh different scale in New York City of mm, yeah. class I guess there's more of a focus on work that for some folks than others but um it kind of gets at that some from the work some to play yeah yeah and I guess the lyrics are they're not general general because they're like specific about like the images but they're general and like talking about just like people in the city like there's nothing there's nothing notes like a specific experience of like a specific person it's all just like the experience of like standing in the middle of the sidewalk in times like Times Square and like all these people are <laughs> walking around yeah and I, I like the transportation methods haven't really changed since then either and mm-hmm. um if I, but they've gotten busier <laughs> um yeah yeah I wonder when we're all on like hovercraft boards will the song feel more <laughs> dated <laughs> And yeah, he talks, there's a lot of imagery of like the fountains, the rusty fountains and the dusty trees with the battered barks. Mm-hmm. Like hopefully our parks will be around for forever as well. The postered walls definitely still have those. <laughs> mm, yeah. 
that's slowly going digital too. Mm-hmm. And I think like the end of the song where she's just repeating like, and another hundred people just got off the train and another hundred people just got off the train. It like builds to that overwhelming feeling of if you've ever been on like a rush hour train on the four mm-hmm. five six or something where you just yeah. feel so overwhelmed with people. <laughs> yeah. I think of my friends who like don't live in the city and like rarely come to the city like maybe I mean they've been but like they, it's not like a big experience for them and like I don't know sometimes when I talk about my experience living in the city it's just like it feels so foreign to them just like little things where I'm like yeah I had to like lug my laundry down to the, <laughs> to the building next door's basement <laughs> and to do it yeah. whatever and it, all the washers were full so it's like wait a half hour like, <laughs> like, I, it's like I'm telling people who like have like a house and their own laundry room and it's just like a different like I, and I just some when I think of this song sometimes I just think of like like I'm kind of telling that experience because like mm. they live they live where there's not a hundred people and everyone's in cars yeah and everyone's in cars and their own cars yeah. and you know um not yeah not walking the streets uh, all the time and yeah I also think of like though he doesn't talk about this at all in the song like it it makes me think of the diversity of the city mm-hmm. and in those hundred people are going to be like a ton of people who are nothing like me and I get to see that every day and see like hear other languages see other people who don't look like me and like that is such a, a specific experience mm-hmm. to living in a city um and yeah and he doesn't even say that anywhere but I think it's right. implied yeah yeah for sure yeah it's just like trying to get at like a very specific New York experience without getting like too specific about the people or like a situ like a specific situation it's just like like how people bump up against each other here. yeah I guess it does paint everyone in the city as like someone who comes to the city and not like grow up here because Mm -hmm. who didn't grow up here uh because I love the line um you know and another hundred people who got off the train are looking at us who got off the train and the plane and the bus maybe yesterday Mm -hmm. so it's like oh we're we all have that similar experience of like we've experienced for the first this for the first time or you know, we all kind of like immigrated here, but that that's definitely not true for everyone. Yeah. Some, yeah. Some come to work, some come to play or some to play, but some, yeah, some are already here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And there is that line in um, Barcelona Mm -hmm. where April's talking about her roommate who grew up in New York. So nothing really interests him. (laughs) Yeah. Feels very true. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels a little more like universal for people, yeah. for people who live in New York <laughs> or, sure. or love New York. Because the rest of the show, it does feel very like specific, like class specific, mm-hmm. uh, race specific. Um, yeah, to like a um, and and the song doesn't. And another hundred people just got off of the train. 
And another hundred people just got off of the train. And another hundred people just got off of the train. And another hundred people just got off of the train. Another hundred people just got off of the train. Well, let's uh, talk about, uh, move on to our next section, Something Wonderful, and talk about something in musical theater that we are excited about or uh, and want to give a shout out to. Sure. Um, a shout out, I'm excited about this musical called The Regulars, mm-hmm. uh, which is by Will Shishmanian and um, Hazel Jade, Miss Hazel Jade is, has been working on that as a director. Um, but, uh, I have another podcast called thesis on Joan, uh, which talks about queer theater mm-hmm. and Miss Hazel came on and talked to us about her upcoming projects. And this is one of them. Um, and she's been, um, developing it in the UK, uh, with most of her projects in the UK. And it's like, uh, focused on a, a trans man and he's in this like apple orchard and he finds a queer community there and they open a queer bar uh, and it seems like such a, a really beautiful like queer community centered show and it has it has like um, I guess you would call it like indie folk-ish kind of music um, nice. but I'm really excited for that to be produced hopefully in New York eventually but um, I would also want to see it in the UK too yeah uh, and then I was excited to hear about Suffs coming to the, the public. I, I don't know it at all, but uh, the cast is really cool. And the yeah. topic is all about suffragettes. It sounds exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited for that one, too. I, I know Shana from Shana Taub, the writer from way back uh, at NYU. And uh, I know she uh, writes really cool stuff. So excited, excited for that as well. Yeah. Uh, and then I know K-pop is coming to Broadway, supposedly, and, and I missed it off Broadway. So I'm very excited to see that as well. Yeah, I missed it off Broadway, too. Uh, it was like by the time I was like, yeah, I, I will see it. And then like you couldn't get a ticket. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I don't know K-pop really at all. Like I know a couple of BTS songs, but uh, just yeah, I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah so excited to see more Korean people on on a Broadway stage that's that's super exciting Um, and I think they're going to bring in some actual like k-pop stars so I think um, yeah and and excited to see an audience filled with more Asian folks too like that's Mm -hmm. always really cool Um, and then the city center um, encore production of Into the Woods yeah I think that was the first thing that got announced that I was like, oh, I am excited to get back to theater now. Oh, nice. Um, everything else was kind of like, oh, maybe I'll see yeah. it if I get a comp. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been trying to figure out like when I'll be going back, but um, I'd like to see the Carolina Change revival, mm. but I know it closes next month but but basically I've just been like trying to watch as much as I can virtually that's out there and just like being really grateful for people who are who are streaming stuff and I watched uh I watched the Bengsons like Larson legacy concert weekend um which was like not not like a a formal show of theirs it was a like not like uh you know their other stuff like 100 days or even like keep going song that had like a 
like a point of view it was just like a it was just like a concert of their of their work but I just love them so much (laughs) yeah Uh, I'll watch anything with them so that was nice and uh yeah that's like the most recent thing I've watched Thank you all for listening to this episode of Scene to Song. You can write to Scene to Song with a comment or question about an episode or about musical theater. We'll answer your questions on our season finale, which is going to be broadcast live on Scene to Song's Facebook page this Sunday, December 19th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. You'll also be able to call in during the episode. Love this podcast? Help it find more listeners by taking a moment to rate it on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram at Scene to Song, on Twitter at Scene Song, and on Facebook at Scene to Song with Shoshana Greenberg Podcast. The theme music you are hearing is by Julia Meinwald. And check back here in two weeks for the audio of Sunday's finale episode. Mm-hmm.